0: Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Today, I'm with my guy, Mike Renner, in Cincinnati, ready to rip it up on a listener mailbag. Yes, that's right. We are answering your questions from Apple Podcasts that we didn't get to before the draft, any of those evergreen draft strategy, positional value questions, ones that we could ask after the draft or answer after the draft. We're hitting on those today. Can't wait to do it. Let's get it. In studio with my guy, Mike Renner. I feel a lot better today than I did the last Monday because we were coming That's off an our it was just an absolute ripper of a weekend in Vegas. I, I spewed out the smelling salts, by the way, here. Some people think that we don't do the smelling salts and they think it's actually it's bad just, substances. It's just ammonia, yeah. It's, it's just ammonia. Yeah. it's. What but you wanted to start like, the podcast is. off today with some stories.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we we told some about Vegas, the but game then maker. but like my brain was like empty at that point on Wednesday. I was pretty I was pretty low until about honestly Friday of last week. It was a, it was a long weekend that we had, but then some came to mind that we didn't get to tell. They were good, wholesome stories. Enough. That we wholesome could tell the
0: podcast. is a is <laughs> an aggressive play, but yeah.
1: What I want to start off with was fantastic. This was Saturday. We're going to Encore Beach Club for the day. We have like a cabana reservations there, and. You come in to Encore, we're waiting in line, and you're like a little lagging behind, and you had added like maybe four drinks at this point. You were not drunk, but you were in the mood to get after it. And so you roll into Encore, the hotel, mind you, shirtless, with sunglasses on and a backpack, and you're walking like you're Kyle Pitts. Like you're rolling in, (laughs) like rocking back and forth. And I'm so I'm in line already, and I see you coming in, and I'm like, oh my god! I, I like see the bouncers looking at you, and I'm like, this guy's not gonna get in. And, and like I'm just like, you, I'm, you. So you come up to us and I'm like, dude, reel it in, like calm down. You're, you're like, you're making a scene right now, and you're like, I don't give a shit. I will make a scene, and like, and you weren't even like I said, you weren't even drunk. You were just ready to party. And they don't let you in. They They, they say, hey, uh, your friend, your buddy's too drunk. We're not going to let him in. I'm like, I I can like, honest to God truth. If he was drunk, he'd be leaning the other way. He'd be leaning forward, not backwards. (laughs) But... They don't let you in. Hour and a half later, they finally, we have to convince them. We have to talk them down. They were going to not let you in at all. So the they don't day. let
0: me in. So they don't let me in. I'm pissed. So I remember like, so I wasn't drunk, but I remember just being in the moment. And then I, I feel like I come to right when they're like, hey, you can't come in. I'm like immediately sober. I'm like, oh, man, come on, dude. I'm not, I'm not that drunk. And then my buddy, big shout out to Connor, Connor Price, Price, another PFF employee, sees me getting dogged. He comes out of line. He says, hey, go have some waters at the bar. We'll let you in to 2.15. We go grab six vodka sodas in (laughs) like 45 minutes, light it up, and then I come back at 2.15, and we eventually get in. 45 minutes late, but we get in, and uh, that was a tough scene. But another tough scene, I'm going to tell this one, or you can tell it better than I do, but you send in the group chat at one day (laughs) that you got kicked out of a Panda Express. That
1: was about eight hours later. I sent in the group chat I got kicked out of Panda Express because I got – I. This was afterwards, starving, haven't eaten anything all day. We just spent eight hours outside drinking. I can't believe it. And I'm like, all right, I gotta go eat. And I just like walk away from everybody. And I'm like, I'm going to Panda Express because the Panda Express in Vegas are hot because there's they're always like fresh food. <laughs> I don't know. I like to go Quote to Panda graphic, Express in Vegas. Panda
0: Expresses in Vegas are hot.
1: They are though. Um, and so I'm in line at Panda Express. I believe I'm shirtless and also maskless at this point. And that was the problem. Savage. I, I go. Th- I wait through about a 10, 15 minute line here get to the front and they're like hey you don't have a mask we can't serve you and I'm just like it's all right. I'll just take like the ch- I'll just take the teriyaki chicken. Like it's cool. There's a big ass fucking plate glass between all of us. It's not a big deal. Like the bad part just happened. I just waited in line maskless. And full disclosure, I've been vaccinated and also had COVID, so there's no chance that I'm giving it to anyone. So I don't really mind that. I just want my fucking Panda Express. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, no, you have to have a mask to like to get served. And I'm like, all right, do you have a mask? <laughs> like, can you give me one to serve me? And they're like, no. And I'm like, all right. I'll just take the chicken. are <laughs> like, <laughs> "We're not going to give you anything." I'm like, I've literally like been talking to you guys in the amount of time I've like I've been spewing like covid po- possibly. Yeah. Not I don't actually have covid, but I've been, I've been spewing particles this whole time. In the meantime, you could have just may given me the the teriyaki chicken that I wanted. Alas, no teriyaki chicken and I got kicked out of that Panda Express.
0: That's incredible. Kicked out of a Panda Express, I'm kicked out of Encore Beach Club. I had another story for you guys. It was a chick that one-upped my, two, my first date story. She had oh, a yeah. worse, worse first date than I did. But I'll bring that up on the Thursday episode. Oh, Let's get right into the listener geez. mailbag. Let's get right into the listener mailbag here. Starting with Brunch Wrap 42 hmm. This is a long one, so I'm going to power through. Is nailing the right quarterback more valuable than maximizing high picks? Based off everything we've seen, yes. And you guys always preach QB or trade down. Imagine had the Browns picked Trubisky in 2017 and Baker the next year. One pick would eliminate the need for the other, but assuming they adopt the PFF ideology and just keep trying at the position, it would happen. Sure, they would have their QB, but they would have also missed on the generational pass rusher that was, Miles Garrett. Also, there is a pretty big drop-off between picking a quarterback like Darnold third, third overall and a few years, few years later not even getting a first in return. Same situation is possible, but not likely for Miami. Do you draft a QB if one falls to six and trade Tua for a pick? That's nowhere near as valuable as the one you used to pick him. Or do you go best player available at a position of value and try to retain the value of that fifth overall pick on Tua? Assuming they go with the former and miss and try again at the quarterback in the following draft, isn't that wasting valuable draft capital? If they do nail the position, they essentially lost value of top two, two top six picks. All hypothetical, but testing the limits of your ideas. Also, you're not allowed to use sunken cost to answer.
1: Okay. I don't think this is going to have any sunk cost fallacy to it. I don't, my answer here. Uh, it's... Your evaluation is the thing that matters most. How do you – do you evaluate this quarterback prospect, whether it's Justin Fields in this year's draft and you're the Panthers? Do you evaluate him to be a better quarterback prospect than the guy you had that hasn't shown anything, any more promise in the NFL? So, so say Justin Fields versus Tua. Who did you have as the better quarterback prospect coming out? Because that incremental change at that position is worth more than – any other position you can add to that roster. Now, uh, uh, to some degree. Now, if there's a, a Chase Young, we're not going to blow up Washington football team for taking a guy like that. If there's a Kyle Pitts, like if there's this generational dude, by all means. But if you're sitting there and your debate is Leonard Fournette or another quarterback to be better than Blake Bortles back in, what was that, 2017, you you go back to your evaluations of those quarterbacks coming on. That's why it's important to have historical context with any evaluation of a player and especially towards the top of the draft because not all number two picks are created equally Uh, you know sometimes it's Luke Jokel sometimes it's Chase Young like you're not always going to have that guy sitting there for you so in my opinion it comes down to which one did you have higher rated coming out? if you had you thought Fields was a better quarterback prospect, you thought Trey Lance was a better quarterback prospect, you take that because that incremental change is always going to be more valuable.
0: Absolutely. I think we said that as soon as you know Miami was in a position to pick at number three. I said, if you have a quarterback available to you at three that you feel is a better quarterback prospect than Tua, you take him. That's it. That's that's the end of the that's the end of the discussion. Yeah. It's not sunk cost. It's not what you already spent. You have to go get a better quarterback. <laughs> you have available a better quarterback, you get him every single time. That, that's yeah. how it has to work. That's exactly how it has
1: but to work. But then it's also your sitting there with Miles garrett on the board if you thought that quarterback class was not and a, a lot of people did think that quarterback class was not like any sure thing franchise guy at the top mm-hmm. there's no there's no you don't have to take one like you don't have to take geno smith in the first round you don't, have to you, take, don't. You, know, you really don't ej Manuel. you don't, you don't have to just that one doesn't come along every single year it just it doesn't so it, there's arguments for both sides of that coin there to a degree.
0: This is from JBG one eighty-five. My question to you is who is the next big time player to come out of Mississippi State? We have some big name defenders like Brule, Emerson, and Forbes. We also have Charles Cross at left tackle, or any of these players or any or any other shaping up to make some noise in future drafts.
1: I don't want to shit on this guy too bad, but it's like it's not a lot. It says next big time player to come out of Mississippi State poses if it's like Alabama or just like every year. Oh, who's the next one? Who's, who's the who's big the pipeline guy? of Mississippi State? Mississippi State's turning, like, I I like that they got leached there. Solid program. But to me, I think it's Martin Emerson. I think this guy's going to be a real-deal cornerback prospect. Obviously, I put him in the first round of a mock draft. True sophomore last year had 82.9 coverage grade in the SEC. That's pretty damn good. Only 306 yards allowed. on. They played a full season because, you know, SEC played – full year not every conference did so that to me would be the guy i know charles cross was in the first round of some mocks that i saw i wasn't as high on him from what i watched but martin Emerson's the guy i say is the next big thing next next in the mississippi state pipeline no dt's in that pipeline though that we talked about
0: before we get to the next question quick Break from Western and Southern. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, Life Insurance, Retirement, and Investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by number companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Gotta pay the bills here, Mike. Gotta pay the bills. Next thing here is Shaq. To Neo One, compared to when I first started watching football, late 90s to now, almost every position is much more athletic, and most times 15 to 20 pounds lighter on average than those than from those times. A 250 pound linebacker in the year 2001 plays D line now. A 225 pound safety then from then plays linebacker now. QBs are sub six foot, uh, are considered five star high school prospects and going first overall in the draft. That used to be blasphemy, all positions but offensive line. Offensive line is just bit, just as big and seemingly haven't had changed body types in the same way to be successful despite their direct advers- adversary and edge players being also smaller and faster now. My question is, when will a different body type succeed for offensive linemen? Will it ever? Will there ever be a 6'4", 275-pound guy playing left tackle and being able to fully match athleticism with edge players as opposed to the 6'5", 330 that I see so much now?
1: I don't think it will, and here's why. I have a take on kind of all this that was said there about guys getting smaller. So that I don't think they've gotten less muscular; they've gotten leaner. Like a linebacker, the 250 pound linebacker, he doesn't play. Line, he doesn't play defensive end now. That guy just loses 20 pounds of fat and plays linebacker still. Like that—that's what it's gone to. Like you see, the guys nowadays are much more cut up at the linebacker position, at the defensive end position, than they were back in the 90s. Part of that's obviously weight training has proliferated at a younger age, like throughout high school football, middle school, whatever, down into the younger ages. Guys have better weight training and and into college. And part of that is just the name of the game defensively is speed You got to be faster. So I don't think the explosiveness has changed. Like explosiveness has taken the place of size like you want to be more explosive on that side of the ball the strength aspect hasn't changed a bit for those respective positions it's the mass aspect that's changed so at the same time you're an offensive lineman you still have to deal with super explosive dudes that 250 pounder can still bull rush the out of you so you still have to have mass you still have to yourself have mass to be able to deal with that because you're the one going backwards on Mm -hmm. pass protection plays you know you're not the one going forward so you're gonna have to anchor Whereas they don't necessarily, the run game and anchoring for them has become an afterthought. You, you don't need to anymore. That's not a big-ass deal. If They're no
0: longer going backwards. Yes,
1: exactly. So forwards, explosiveness has become at a premium for defensive side of the football. So I, I don't think that means that we're all of a sudden going to see tackles and offensive linemen get smaller. I think that's a position where you're just you just going to need that. Now, you can play lighter in this day and age. I think that's you're seeing guys able to do so, but it's never going to be we are going to see the same transformation we see in defensive side of the ball.
0: I was having this conversation with Sam Monson on the NFL podcast today. I was filling in for Steve Palzolo, But the New England Patriots are kind of in a prime position to kind of zag while the rest of the NFL yeah. zigs and that they have a big, beefy, mauling offensive line. Two tight end sets are going to be heavy. Cam Newton, a big rushing quarterback, yeah. like they could come at these defenses that are trying to get lighter and only playing one or two linebackers in the box, and even those guys are two hundred fifteen pounds, and try and lay lay the wood a little bit. Do you think? Do you see New England doing that? Do you see defenses struggling with that?
1: Yeah, I, I almost think there is a, a market for that along the offensive line. Like you're seeing Mackay Becton's come out. You're seeing these big ass dudes on the offensive line that that can play more now because you're going up again. Like you, those guys can. Really move the line. 80 pounds on guys. guys. Yeah.
0: Like, Mekhi so. Beckton has 80 pounds on some of the pass rushers he's seeing. I mean, every pass rusher he sees Very pretty true. much. <laughs> yeah, so, All right, this is from Claudia. Can you rank the position groups into which you feel the most confident on your evaluations, not just this draft, but general consensus? Yes.
1: Now, I don't want to say there's anywhere I'm like, yeah, I fucking, I know this position. I can't yeah, miss. Yeah, your boy don't miss. Uh Save that for eye. But the positions I feel the best about from – most confident to least confident. Here we go. I'm going to get break it off. Offensive line, one. Defensive line, two. Running back, three. Wide receiver, tight end, four. Cornerback, five. Quarterback, six. Safety, seven. Linebacker, eight. Did I hit them all? I think hit them all. Nice. A- and the reason being for the O-line, D-line, one and two, and I think that's not just us. I think that's like pretty general evaluations. You get the best. You get the closest thing to a baseball sample size. And, in offensive yep. line, defensive line. You get one-on-one interactions 30, 40 times a game. That's the only position that happens. Quarterbacks, dependent on so many other factors. Running backs, dependent on so many factors. wide, receiver, Even wide receiver cornerbacks, a lot of times running a route, you're not actually like beating a guy. You're not actually going up against a guy. You're going up against a hole in the zone. So, yeah. so I think a lot of those other positions, and especially when you get to like safety and linebacker, like you're asked to do... A a ton of things where it's like holy sh- like it, it's gonna matter so much like you can be very good at one aspect of the position and just trash at another and if you're asked to do the one you're trash at far more often than the one you're good at well shit you're gonna you're not gonna be a good player at that so, so it's like whereas offensive line defensive line it's a much more simplistic I don't, want to, I don't want to belittle it by calling it simplistic but it's much more
0: Binary, I think, is the word I use. It's like there's win- there's clear win losses and you get a shitload of them. There's a lot of sample size of win losses in one-on-one situations.
1: And and even like going from one scheme to another, like a pass that's still a pass set. Yeah, yeah. You know? so
0: Very true. Very true. The other positions, scheme dependent, supporting cast dependent, how they're used, all yeah. that stuff is like... Obviously, going to affect your evaluation, just like the sample size you see. All right. This is from K- Chris Sims with a Z. My question is more about, more from a philosoph- philosophical team building perspective. Assume there's a generational prospect at each of the positions listed below. How high would you take them in the average draft? You had running back, off ball linebacker, nose tackle, box safety. So, all the low value positions guard, center, kicker, punter. <sighs> this one's
1: tough. So, I. I- i went to this year's draft board because it's an average draft is difficult to conceptualize Mm -hmm. Um, so this year's draft board i mean shit, we had a generational linebacker in my opinion Um, and he was ninth in the pff draft board so that means there were eight guys in this class that i would have taken prior to him and that would have been we talked about these analysis but three quarterbacks um then sewell pitts chase smith waddle so those eight guys all you know A little more – and obviously there's guys like Sewell and Pitts that we thought were special players, but then some more premium positions like quarterback and wide receiver ahead of a generational off-ball linebacker. Nose tackle, I honestly think it could be a little more valuable. I think you got a generational nose tackle. I'm not sure what that looks like. I I think – Will Fork? Yeah. Like I I would be willing to draft that over some of – I would have drafted that seventh in this year's class. And now Sewell, Pitts, Chase, I think I'd all rather have than a generational nose tackle, but probably would have rather had a generational nose tackle than, like, Advante Smith. Um, box safety, same as linebacker. Honestly, you just play him a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like, a generational box safety in, that, in today's day and age is a linebacker. So ninth as well. Guard center, I, I would have put a generational guard. I would have drafted a Quinton williams Quentin Nelson, excuse me. Oh my god, I my Notre Dame voice name. <laughs> Quentin, I would have drafted Quentin Nelson behind a Michael Parsons, I just would have. So, generational guard center, you just don't need generational talents on the offense line to have a good offense line, um, especially on the interior. So, 10th, I would have taken on this, this year's draft board. Running backs the tough one because I'm trying to think of the last generational running back prospect we've seen, and things I feel like we see almost too many like Saquon Barkley. It would have been down the list here, like twenty, late twenties, thirty, something like that. Yeah, like just like I, you don't need to invest in that position. It's just it's not. You'd rather take your chance on a guy who can maybe hit. Like, am I gonna want to Saquon Barkley over maybe what quitty Pay could be? was twenty fourth on our board. Oh, because Pay could be super valuable. Yeah. So So, yeah. uh, running back would just be lower on that, and then kicker punter. I mean, like third or fourth round. I if you, if you knew this guy was, like, special. Now, again, like, kicker the problem punter, is, the generation punter is kick- easier to analyze. Like, booming kicks is booming kicks. But, like, just leg strength doesn't help. It's still accuracy and kicking. So, or booming punts is booming punts. But kicking is a little bit different in terms of, like, how good you feel about your evaluation. But you're like, you tell me this guy's top three kicker in the NFL, I'd take that in the third round.
0: It was the last generational kicker prospect we saw. Sebastian Janikowski drafting the first. Well, well, Aguayo
1: goes second. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the Bucks, and he was thought of as that guy. And obviously, he's not lived up to The problem with that generational kicking is, prospects is they are very difficult
0: to identify. Exactly.
1: So right. that's how I feel about those respective positions. Third might even be, I might even be talking on my ass about kickers there. That probably is a little higher.
0: It probably but, is. All right. Are the Ravens good slash bad take? That's from him. I feel decently confident in my ability to watch offensive skill players and defensive backs as I can easily find stats to back up or upend something I saw in film. What do I look for when watching linebackers on both sides of the line?
1: Okay. Well, obviously linebackers, uh, I just said, was my my <laughs> the fist and I feel the worst about. So, shit. But I, I do think... Explosiveness, first step, kind of twitch is huge there. And, and then from there, hip fluidity, just being a fluid athlete, that gets you a, a huge leg up. And after that, processing speed. How quick are they reacting to a pulling guard? How quick are they biting on a play-action fake versus you know seeing that it's play-action and getting back to where they're supposed to be? I think there's that's a massive part of playing the linebacker position is just playing fast. So I'd say those three things... Are three are most important to look for to start, and then obviously like tackling form. Uh, there's a lot of else that goes into playing linebacker, but it, it is becoming a position that's very much just traits. A bit it, it is like a size, length, speed gets you a lot of play at the linebacker position. Now, offensive line, uh, I would argue is almost I don't want to say the opposite, but there's it is a skill based thing. you are looking for guys who have balance guys who use their hands well, guys who sustain with their hands really well, uh, and, and guys who are consistent down to down. Those are big things for playing offensive line. Get-off, explosiveness, people-moving ability, not, not nearly as important. Defensive line, um, another athletic-based position. Your get-off, your ability to bend, your ability to be flexible. And then from there, hand placement. How well do you... Uh, do you get that engaged Do you make that first strike consistently um i think that's very important at that position you can't you can only go so far with hand usage a lot of it's like an innate coordination aspect to the position that the best ones have
0: Another break from the sponsors here. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on a select game, the over-under will drop by one point. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up and hammer to to hammer the over for every 1,500 people that bet the over in the future game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of over, of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code PFF for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends 5321 See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Next question here. I love this question. This is fantastic. This is from um, Christian Paolicelli. If you took an all-Alabama team and put them up against an all-Clemson team, who would win? I don't think this is particularly close. I'm going Clemson. I mean, Alabama every single time.
1: Yeah, sadly, I was like, dude, Clemson's got the quarterbacks. Like You got Sean, you got Trevor Lawrence. Like That part of the game, not even close. But here's what Clemson breaks down. Clemson's had three offensive linemen draft in the past eight years, I want to say. Uh, here would be their starting offensive line of guys in the NFL right now. Jack Harmon at left tackle, John Simpson at left guard, Tyler Shatley at center, Mitch Hyatt at right guard, and Tremaine Ankrum at right tackle. Don't don't feel bad if you don't recognize some of those names because there's uh, one starter on that list.
0: <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> it's
1: bad. There's one NFL starter. Here's what Bama's offensive line would look like. It would be Jedrick Wills at left tackle, Cam Robinson at left guard, Ryan Kelly at center, Alex Leatherwood at right guard, Jonah Williams at right tackle. That's a little different. That's it's a lot different. It's a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, their worst offensive linemen's probably on par with Clemson's best. So that would kind of change the game. And then you flip over to the defensive line where you got John Allen, Duran Payne. Like Bama's got. Dogs. Like they they the
0: trenches they've been dominating they the would trenches for a long trenches. time.
1: That's why they are Bama. So they dominate the trenches and they would still dominate the trenches at the NFL level. Clemson. They I mean they have a fairly good defensive line themselves. Obviously, you got Lawrence, Chris Wilkins, Clem uh, Clem Uh Shaq whatever. I can't remember. Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson. I always forget his last name. But yeah. You you would have a fine defensive line, but your offensive line would just get their shit pushed in.
0: <laughs> all right. This is from Chris Brown's fam. Oh, nine, oh, nine, oh, nine. Do you, you think, think he
1: loves Chris Brown or he loves the Browns?
0: It's hard to say. It's honestly hard to say. I'm going to lean Chris Brown. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> we get, we you, did attract a big Chris <laughs> Brown uh, demo.
0: Do you think that we should, so I think it's the Browns. Do you think the Browns should date more like? The, no,
1: it's human beings. Oh, it's
0: human beings. Do you think <laughs> That's why that it's an evergreen one. <laughs> do you think that we should date more like the way we draft, making a list of prospective girls and rank them via the traits or skills they have? Sometimes the relationship will bust. That's how I date.
1: Like this is that's what I do. <laughs> so uh, if you think this, if you think my my idiocy just extends to the draft, and no, it goes way deeper. So um, and, and also it doesn't work. So no, we shouldn't. Do it. it hasn't worked I for me. I think
0: for you, your type is definitely all the traits in the world. Off field <laughs> is super a disaster.
1: Trace. I'm super traits. So Off field comes sadly. in. You're
0: like, wait a second. You can't read a book. <laughs> <laughs> Only... You'd be like oh my gosh she's got the 40 times she's got it all see
1: i got no production grades though to lean back on true, like i can't true. tell how they've been producing over the course of i don't know
0: see i look for the whole hard... academic career <laughs> I'm possibly. not to get into this I'm definitely high effort, high motor on my end, but um, okay. yeah, I need, to, I need to identify more traits wholesale. Look yeah. at spark scores and those types of things. I think that would help me out a ton. But you need the off-field man. You need to do more of the interview process. I, I do need to vet more. You don't vet at all. Vet the background. You got to vet the background. Sometimes the background can be dicey. <laughs> all right, this is from Gavin T3. If you are need to draft, if you need, you are in need of a slot wide receiver. Is it best to draft the top slot-specific wide receiver or the best overall wide receiver to be your number two, even if he doesn't fit the mold?
1: So if it's a number two, number two is different from slots. slot. Slot's are number three, yeah. in my opinion. If we were, like, saying one, two, three, slots are three. Because a guy like Cole Beasley is coming off in two wide receiver sets. He's not going to be on the field in two wide receiver sets. I'm not a massive fan of slot only. So I think a lot of guys who are good outside wide receivers can also win from the slot. 100%. But I I will say that this is a, one, scheme-specific question. Uh, And two, I I think a lot of slot-onlys could work on the outside. They're just pigeonholed as slot-onlys, like we talked about with Moore. Like, there are guys that I think can do it, just aren't given the opportunity. Um, So those kind of go back and forth. Those are competing. But if if you were just debating between a guy who you know is going to be a slow, so a Cole Beasley, you're on the open market. You want a Cole Beasley or a Corey Davis? Who am I going to pay more? Probably going to pay Corey Davis more. Yeah. You know, like, if I have just one, I just have one guy as my starter, I'm probably going to want Corey, I'm going to want Corey Davis before I want Cole Beasley. the Cole Beasley. Because the Colby's of the world, not to say he's not a great slot receiver, skill set's not as rare. Like, there are a lot of guys that can
0: run that skill set because,
1: rare. exactly, because it doesn't take the same physical tools. Like, you don't have to be as athletic and you don't have to be as big. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- as soon as a lot of different guys can fill that role more body types can fill that role you have a larger pool to select from and so it's not then as rare skill set there you go
0: if you can make changes this is from Idaho Sun if you can make changes to the draft or draft process what would they be for example what if the worst 16 teams got the first 32 picks two two each the top sixteen teams, they would get the next sixty-four picks for each. And then the worst sixteen would get the next sixty-four picks. The thirty the next thirty-two would go again to the top sixteen. And finally the teams would get a pick in the last round. It might speed up rebuilding. I would also get rid of the comp picks and the fifth year options in round one.
1: That would be atrocious. I'm sorry. That would just like that would be that would be wild. Like there would be that tanking for the sixteenth pick then. You know, you're like yeah, you're on yeah. the edge of sixteen, seventeen. It's like I gotta lose. So uh, I do like if there were anything i think an auction yes for like a top a top 10 auction or to some degree in terms i don't know what you would auction would it be cap space whatnot but like
0: i think an auction for the entire draft
1: or an entire draft but i do think like a lottery system where like instead of just like to to promote not tanking but to like if you're in the top whatever 13 you can like wager portions of your cap space or something to go up and get because like It would behoove teams who need quarterbacks to go up for them to be able to still get them even if they're like the eighth, ninth overall. Also, the rookies would benefit from that. Yes, and also like the high-end guys who kind of maybe get screwed by the rookie wage scale being as good as they are or thought to be as good as they are, then get screwed by that. So like, some sort of auction aspect to it would be cool. Because mm-hmm. then you add another day. Like, that's like an, another thing altogether. It's like we're auctioning four draft spots at the top or something. I don't know how that would work exactly,
0: but I think auctioning for pure players and then, like, you're legitimately like, like, we're offering this contract to Trevor Lawrence. And they're like, we're going to offer this contract to Trevor Lawrence. And yeah. it's, it's up to Trevor Lawrence to make that decision. I do think that would be pretty sick. I think that would make a ton of sense. Also, I think the it would be fun to watch. That would be if, an interesting experience for sure. Yeah. And I think then it wouldn't be teams tanking for draft capital. Teams would be not spending to spend in the following draft. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, our roster isn't good enough, our quarterback's not good enough. We're not gonna spend a ton of money in free agency. We're not gonna take advantage it. of the cheat yeah. code that is the rookie contract. We're not gonna spend so that when we approach the draft, the draft the auction with a ton a trip, of money, you can of go money. chase a Trevor yeah. Lawrence or whatever it may be. And then talk about busts. See the can you imagine the busts after you spend like a ton of money on a guy and then you're like yeah, you're locked the in for contracts, just like crippling franchises by like overspending on a guy? It could be pretty sweet. Fun. All right. Is from Matt. Steamed rice. Sup guys? Can you rank the positions from most stable from year to year to least stable?
1: I literally sent Eric Eager a DM. Uh, doctor Eric, Eager, excuse me.
0: We got to bring up the doctor.
1: Uh, data. I, I don't know his exact title. Data science. Something. Data scientist. President of. Don't de, worry about R and D. That's what he is. President of R and D. Um. Hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> that was butchered. Uh. But he gave me the list. So it goes like this, from most to least stable. Defensive tackle, tight end, quarterback, edge, guard, running back, wide receiver, linebacker, center, offensive tackle, safety, cornerback. That was electric. I wasn't. I'm not surprised by the last two. <laughs> Still buzzing. Defensive back um, being but, yeah. very
0: volatile is I mean, your role is very scheme S- dependent, pass rush dependent, all of that. Like you're so,
1: oh, so here's what, no, here's how I like to describe it. Here's why it's so volatile and the other's not. Um, ed defensive line. So the reason why DT edge is so high, it's win-dependent. It's a position where your win rate uh, dictates, basically, how well you performed. Cornerback, it's your loss rate. And it's not only a loss rate, your loss rate is super high variance in that a loss can be a 10-yard first down, a loss can be a 90-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. A loss on defensive line is a loss no matter what. It doesn't result in anything different. Mm-hmm. A win can be a loss on the defensive line can be overlooked. A sack, pressure, hit, hurry, whatever, they're all like very similar in vain in that they're not swinging very wildly in how much they impact the game. But one loss, a cornerback, like I said, can be wildly different. It can be just a five yard defensive hold, or it can be, like I said, a 90 yard touchdown. And that's why you give up a couple of those, you give up a couple of 90 yard touchdowns in a year, you had a shitty year. Yeah. It's like flat out, you just did. And that's why it's such a difficult position year in year to be. It's a very good one. You point. have to be consistently not losing. And sometimes your losses can be very, very bad. That's how you, that's why it's variable.
0: That makes sense. All right. This is from Sock Fudge. What's up, guys? Love the pod. It's one of my staples. What do you guys think of my theory that Russ came up with this trade request in order to stir up the media and distract from the fact that he forgot how to play the position of quarterback in the second half of last year?
1: No, Russell Wilson truly is upset. The lame lamest dude in the NFL right now. Um, he just he he wants to be thought of as the coolest dude, though. That that's the problem. It's you you can't force being thought of as the coolest guy, but he wants to force his way into being thought of as this top five quarterback of all time. And so he's attempting to, when in actuality, like I think he's pretty accurately thought of at this point in his career. Like he's a very, very good NFL quarterback. He's not a top five quarterback of all time. He's not up there with the echelon of even the guys playing the game today with like the Rogers, the Brady's in the, in the annals of history. So I just think that he has a odd sense of self russ absolutely and he's dead serious about wanting to go elsewhere to like realize that even when if you went to fucking if you went to chicago with matt aguila and what they have there offensively i'm not sure it's going to be much different if not probably even worse than what you have there in seattle this upcoming year
0: all right, PFF has partnered with Symbol S-I-M-B-U-L-L, the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you the new way to invest and profit on your f- favorite teams. The MLB is in full swing for the rest of the summer, allowing you to earn daily cash payouts, and NFL free agency is still going on. So whoever lands the top of the market player will be sure to see their team stock rise. Use promo code PFF and deposit $10 at P. PFF, turn a free PFF annual subscription. That's promo code PFF with a ten dollar deposit at symbol.app slash PFF. Turn a free annual subscription from PFF.com. Symbol, the way to go long on a team. You know, you want to bet futures and stuff like that. Invest in the Raiders now, and in a few years' time, it could be good. Eventually, who knows? It could be you know, three years' time. You know, you're ten there. years' time. Ten years' time. <laughs> Symbol is where you go for that. All right, next question here. Is from Jacob Archer twenty two, U of O student here, SCO Ducks. But I have two questions for you. First, how does Kayvon Thibodeau stack up against some prior top ranked edge guys like Miles Garrett, Young, etc.? And with you guys being so high on Tibbs, is it more of a projection of what he will be this upcoming season?
1: Yeah, it's more of a projection. Like it's the physical tools that he has, it, it, obviously very good. But to me, he's a, he's a ways off of the Boses and Chase Young, who are the, probably the three best. Uh, I mean, the is Chase Young and Miles Garrett. That, that's like a tier in their own right of guys where it's just like they got it all. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be damn good NFL players. To me, Thibodeau is just probably more like Bradley Chubb. Where Bradley Chubb, very very good college player, you're still just like left not being quite as certain about how he projects to the NFL and, and the dominance you'll see in the NFL. And he's been very good. Don't get me wrong, Bradley Chubb has been good, but I think he's also been. A ways off of Bosa, uh, Young, and even Garrett in terms of how he started his career. So that's where I would – he's in that second tier right now of edge prospects. I'm trying to think of who else would be in that tier of guys like that over the course of – I'm not coming up with anything? so just go ahead. Seth, that, Seth Galina
0: had the quote today that came out on social that, that he will break the trend of the top pick being a quarterback.
1: I saw that. I disagree. Disagree? And there's No one breaks that trend. Fair. It's It's – that's what we just talked about with that first question the, mm-hmm. about quarterbacks. It's like, if a Spencer Rattler's there, it's going to be Spencer Rattler. Someone's going to give you too much for it. Teams have learned their lesson after basically after that Miles Garrett draft where it's just like, shit, we can't be passing on Deshaun Watson
0: or Patrick Mahomes. This is, again, from Jacob Archer. He had two questions. More of yeah. a fun question. But what would an offense that only passes the ball look like? No running backs on the field, just five wide receiver or four wide receivers in the tight end. Would that offense be able to take the league by storm for a year or would teams quickly figure it out? Obviously depends on personnel too. P.S., uh, P.S., Come to Eugene for a game sometime. It's an underrated stadium, and we can run you and Mike in some beard eye. Oh, not a chance, not kid. Chance, yeah. But I've been to Autzen Stadium. It's dope. I would definitely. Have you? I have not. It's sick. I would definitely I would be down love... to go to
1: Eugene if it wasn't such a trek. It is a trek, but I'd lo- I would love to get out there for a I'd game. I'd
0: also not lose in beard eye.
1: <laughs> yeah, we also wouldn't lose a beard eye. Um, but I would suggest, I'd say go watch, I mean, Oregon. You've probably seen some Mike Leach. Like, that's the premise of mm-hmm. his offense that he ran at Washington State, Mississippi State. They call, they don't call runs. They call passes. And you run if the box count says run. And so the problem Their with. tackles that, have like 700 pass sets a year. And that's the, here's the thing. That's the problem with that is that you're putting your offensive line in a difficult spot. You have to have a Cowboys 2015 offensive line. You got to have a top three offensive line in the NFL to get by like that. It's just n- not enough teams do. Um, to be able to run your offense like the, where he's like this guy is saying, pass every time. Every play is a pass play. Four wide out, five wide out every play. You're just putting so much stress on them. And we saw this year what happens basically when a Mississippi State, with well, not a disastrous offensive line, but a below-average SEC offensive line just gets taken to the fucking woodshed. It's just you're putting on so much stress on your quarterbacks and your offensive line that, I don't think we're going to see it at the NFL anytime soon. It's just,
0: yeah, the other part like of it too, and I think it's, of... it's some of what you said earlier about the air raid being very simple and like it's predetermined mm. for you and stuff like that. It's like passing the ball as often as you would is very mentally taxing on the quarterback it's, if you're not running an air raid type yeah. of system. Like you can't run complex concept after complex concept. You're going to see some levels of mental fatigue from your quarterback if he's throwing 50 plus times a game yeah. in a very complex system. Like the air raid. It's simple pitch and catch a lot of the way, but I don't. I don't think you could run a different passing attack that yeah. many times a game. I think Eric Eager it's like playing
1: Augusta. Yeah, he's <laughs> just like he's fucking out. He has to grind out 18 holes at a time. You're not out. ready. You're yeah. not
0: ready. I think Eric has brought up like you need to run the football kind of like you need sleep. You know, you kind of need like to reset your mind offensively. Mm-hmm. You need to reset certain things offensively. I don't think the quarterback would be able to handle it, and neither would the offensive line. All right, this is from Wild Dog 37. Who's your all-time out-of-position team? Meaning guys you weren't who weren't great at the positions they played, but sure. could have been a lot better had they played a different position? Go ahead.
1: Uh, I, <laughs> I couldn't think of a ton of great ones because I was like, it's, a, it's an odd question, but I, I, th- I thought I came with a few. Now, these guys were okay at the positions they played. um, or good in some cases even, but I would like to have seen them play different positions. First one was Calais Campbell play offensive tackle. I would love to see that guy play offensive tackle. I thought, like, he, so he's not a super high level athlete and still wins so well, like, with the hand, so coordinated on the defensive side of the ball and so, like, strong. I just would love to see what he could do at offensive tackle. And obviously, at 6'9, you know, 300 pounds, has the body for it. John Ross the cornerback, Marvin Lewis, Bengals had considered great, wanted to do this, literally wanted to do it with a top 10 pick. And in retrospect, probably should have stuck with it because he was just cheeks at wide receiver. So this dude, I mean 422 speed obviously changed direction ability off the charts but couldn't run the correct route save his life. so cornerback would have been fun to see him play. Cam Newton to either tight end or DT de would have been fun now obviously he's a very good quarterback. nothing against him there but man six65 248 ran a 456 692 cone. he was an elite athlete. Could have been a hell of a tight end. We obviously saw that back at Auburn when he had that touchdown catch. Um, and then Tim Tebow to linebacker. Tight end was the wrong position. Tebow was always a linebacker. How I, much I does think he
0: weigh?
1: It's like 235. Oh, really? Yeah. Tebow's a horse. 6'2", 235. He ran a 4'7", coming out. 6'6", cone. 38 and a half inch vertical. He ran
0: the devil's three cone?
1: He ran the devil's three cone. This dude could have been, I mean, ironic, right? But he, that guy would have been an elite linebacker. No doubt in my mind. And with the leadership qualities, my Lord. Dude, he would have been legitimately this. He would have probably been
0: like a legit
1: Zach linebacker. Thomas 2.0. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Tim Tebow would have actually been. Tight end was never his position. It was linebacker.
0: There you go. All right. This is from best. Jam. Oh, and I had a
1: couple guys that I also think just played in the wrong generation. Mike Vick in today's day and age with the offenses now. Oh, man. Monster. And then Santana Moss with today's offenses. Santana Moss, if you go back and watch Santana Moss, he is basically just looks like Jalen Waddell before Jalen Waddell. He would have been awesome in today's day and age, but they stuck them just like outside wide receiver and said, go run full route tree. You're 5'10", 180. Mm, no, would have worked yeah. a lot better in Got three wide sets nowadays. Yeah. All
0: right. This is from best gem ever. Second question from Mike.
1: Oh, the first question was about something that was draft related. Oh, okay.
0: Week. I haven't gotten a haircut since right before the pandemic started. I've gotten the shoulder length hair now. And since you used to have long hair, what advice do you have when I do finally get a trim? I want to keep it long, but I used to get go to supercuts when I had short hair, and I assume that's no longer an option. Please guide me here. Don't go to supercuts. That's good yes. advice regardless of where your hair is right if now. If you
1: were getting just like a straight buzz and that looks good on you, by it's all buzz means, it if yourself. They're just, if they're okay buzz it yourself what are we what are we talking <laughs> about here but i would do some research go to a well-reviewed barber in your area dude this is someone who specializes answer. in men's hair if if not like by before even the supercuts, go to a salon like they will cut men's hair there better than they will at supercuts. and this is going to sound dumb and you're going to be embarrassed to do it but bring in pictures of what you want it to look like first time i ever did that i was like god this is like i hate doing this but bring it out say, this is what I want. Honestly, bring in a few because sometimes your hair will not, like it will be like wavy and the person's in the pictures is straight or whatnot. Go in, show them pictures of what you want, except preferably multiple and say this because that'll give you a much better... I, them a much better idea of what you actually want and you'll get a much better result.
0: I did that with my mustache before Vegas. I had them trim it to like a similar, I don't know who what picture I showed, but I wanted it to be like a similar stash. And you it, showed Ron Jeremy. I showed Ron Jeremy. It's exactly what I showed. Um no, but I do think that the pictures is a good call. The is yes. a great call.
1: It's and it's gonna it's gonna feel dumb. You're gonna it's gonna feel like shit. You're gonna hate like that five seconds of awkward interaction, but it'll be worth it.
0: Way worth it. All right, this is from Vandal, Vanden Vale. I'm a kid from Baltimore, and all my friends and family are Ravens fans, and I've been a huge Bengals fan my whole life. Damn. That's I'm going up. to my first game this season, so where's the best pregame bar at tailgates to hit before the game? You got go to, to go to the banks.
1: You got to go to the banks, especially now that the Dora is open, the designated outdoor freshman area. Basically, you can drink outside.
0: It's awesome. Too. It's awesome.
1: It's been fantastic. just opened. I live right there. The The bars I would suggest... Holy Grail is easily the best for watching games. If like you're going after the Bengals Sunday game, or yeah, something, after yeah. the after the Bengals game, easily best for watching games. Stretch has become my new favorite since they added the outdoor area to Stretch because it used to be so packed and it's all right there on the banks also. But now they have like a big outdoor area as well, and so that is my new favorite bar down there. But those are gr- both great bars to go to if you're tailgating. I go to the Longworth lot. It's easy to get in and out of. It's pretty big. Gets a little rowdy there. See guys jumping on tables and whatnot. Uh, that would be where I would recommend. So, Go right to the time banks. Time. Kitties. And, and Kitties is... Kitties is not fun. It's, it's, a, it's like a local... It's no, local, I like Kitties. Local, Kitties yeah. is good. It's, it's fine.
0: But the banks is... You, go to the banks, you're you not a to, grail, you go to Holy Grail, you go to stretch, yeah. and then you tailgate at Longworth and you're in for a good time. And then you get Skyline Chili to boot. Uh,
1: Skyline Chili to, to literally
0: boot. boot to, puke to literally puke. Like. <laughs> To literally throw up after the game. All right. This is from Steph Backs Threes. Got any advice for a high school student who's interested in working in, in the front office or analysis side of football, either with a team or something like PFF? I'm a big math person and find sports data analytics really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you like math, I, I'd go get a math degree, some sort of statistics, whatever you want to get a degree in. Like, that's not nearly as big a deal as the getting connections and learning football side of things. Not A lot of people get math degrees. A lot of people love football and have analytics or analytically driven backgrounds not a lot of people then know the game of football well Uh, so that's one of the biggest things that i recommend anyone who wants to work in the space is like know the x's and o's and like how the game works inside and out helps and so if you're not in college or you're in high school i would recommend joining i know at notre dame they had a student manager program that was like very active and was a very good program for getting connections inside of like the football offices and like getting grad assistant jobs and that sort of thing afterwards so if you're I would look into where you're applying if they have programs like that. Those are very good for. I know, I believe Charlie Weiss got his start is oh, student really? manager. Yes, so. so
0: I that, think learning football like, is a great a, call and like ways to do it. I think you can get creative. I think the student manager call is re- fantastic. I also think read recommended books like the Art of Football books that we've talked about. The Chris Brown books are great. I also think getting creative by listening to podcasts like ours and other really good football podcasts. The QB mm-hmm. School from JTO Sullivan. Seth Galina does a really good college football podcast called the PFF College Football Podcast. So finding creative ways to listen to and talk to people that also know football will help you a ton. Like immersing yourself in football is going to help you there. And as if you're in high school, again, I think you made a great point. Go pursue a mathematics degree and pick up skills. Pick up skills in coding, whether that's R, Python, SQL. Pick up schools, yeah. skills in Adobe and these different things.
1: And, and you, like I said, wherever you go, get involved with the football program there. That'll help you out a lot. Yeah
0: even if you're freaking picking up towels in the locker room it's going to help you be around immerse yourself is a good way of you looking at immerse yourself all right last question here this is from john doe two four four one three and i'm so excited for this question i really couldn't believe this question because i just discovered it yeah what's the best place for tacos in cincinnati and before this answer would have been i guess it's bakersfield which is good I would say Frida's, but it's not technically in Cincinnati. Steel's okay. The yeah. best tacos in Cincinnati are at Saiso OTR, or Bar Saiso, I think is what it's called. It's a new bar in Cincinnati that just opened up in October. They have a taco truck in the back that is objectively the best tacos in Cincinnati. They're on par rival tacos I've had in San Diego. They have Bidia tacos, which you, you can't get Bidia tacos anywhere in Cincinnati. I don't even think, most people don't even know if that's a real thing. I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah, they are unreal. I went there twice in one weekend. They are that good. The Cincinnati tacos, big shout out to Barceso. They're doing it, it right. That place is the, fantastic. The
1: place, the truck is called Pata Roja.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. So, Pata that's, Roja. That's, Regardless, it's, and it's, they, and they it's set like up a shop. permanent
1: fixture outside of yep, Barceso. They set it's up just, shop at you know, Barceso.
0: And Barceso in and of itself is a cool bar. Yeah. It's a great date spot. If you're looking to bring a date, honestly, it's a great date spot for the summer. Might have to. Might have to do it. Might have to do it. The best tacos in Cincinnati by far, Barceso. What a fantastic question to finish the mailbag off of. When we get back on Thursday, or I think we're recording Wednesday, actually. Recording Wednesday, going to continue to look at the draft, going to continue to look at some things. But we need to start previewing this NFL season, man. We need to start looking at, I want to do some power ranking stuff. I want to do some division odds stuff. I want to look at who's actually winning this upcoming season. I also want to rip through some fantastic rookie minicamp quotes that we've gotten so far. I don't know if you saw Patrick Sertan, why he went to rookie minicamp, because I'm a rookie. Some of the stuff that's being put out right now is just such good, fluffy, click fade that i can't wait to talk dude
1: about. how much shit though is the i don't want to shit on the NFLPA, uh but they're oh yeah am them, want- them trying to tell rookies not to go to rookie communicate. like they've been shitting on rookies the past decade they have the rookie wage scale bones rookies and it's like if i was a rookie coming to the nfl i'd be like fuck you like i'm gonna go i, I like yeah. you're putting me it's like the veterans are putting you behind the eight ball telling you not to go they're like they want your jobs like right. that's a that's a shit like i would not be listening to their advice not to Say either one's right or wrong, but I—if I were in their shoes, I would be fucking be in rookie cap right now too.
0: Last thing here: make sure you rate, review, and um, rate and review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a question on Apple Podcasts. We're gonna,
1: the mailbags are going to
0: be back. Mailbags are back. Post-draft mailbags are back. Make sure to leave a question on our mailbag. We'll make sure to answer that when we get to it. Also, listen to the other podcasts at PFF. You know, PFF has a ton of podcasts. I was on the NFL podcast today. There's also the Ian Hart, it's Fantasy Football Podcast. Seth Galina has the College Football Podcast. Kevin Cole does Unexpected Points. Chris Chris Collinsworth has a podcast with Richard Sherman. A lot of good podcasts here at PFF. Make sure you rate and review and subscribe to all of those. Leave a question for the mailbags. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, David Safaro. Mike Quinn, two for drafts.